Ephesians 1. I was reading this. And something kind of stood out at me. And when something stands out at you, um, I like to try to bring a message on it or some kind of a Bible study. So we'll take a look at this tonight. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Um, they all, I don't know if they're all here. I think they're all here. All the guys that preach Sunday night, thank you, by the way. That was really good. Really enjoyed it. Um, I really, really enjoyed uh, Sunday night. And um, we had a lot of good comments on the services all day on Sunday. And that that's good. I, I, I kind of got a new little thing that I say when they say, boy, that's a good message, Pastor. I say, well, if, it's, if it was good, it was of God. <laughs> so, um, And the guys did a great job, I think, Sunday night. Uh, at least I was I was pleased and and blessed by the uh, by the preaching. The next time, and I didn't look at my calendar. I don't know when the next month is with five Sundays. I think it's March, isn't it March? When? January? Th- January. Okay. Uh, we'll do something a little different next time. I think what we'll do is we'll have two guys. <clears throat> first two guys to put their name on a list. You'll actually plan your message ahead of time instead of the you know pulling out of the out of the basket there. Um, you'll plan your mess, message ahead of time. You'll prepare your message, and you'll do about a 20-minute message. Two guys, 20 minutes, right? That'll be good. So I'll let you know more about that. Uh, we'll figure out the date. It'll be the last, maybe in January, last Sunday in January. We'll do that. Um, so I look forward to it. It's good. I think the guys do a good job. And it's, it's, good. it's a good experience for the guys, and it's a good experience for the church also. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> I'm going to read some of these verses, and I'll comment as I go, so I won't ask you to stand tonight. Um, Gen- uh, Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 1, says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. I like the way Paul worded that, verse 1. Now, we know that he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Those were all of the, that was a church in Ephesus. Uh, but he also says, and I've underlined that little word, and. I like that word, and. And to the faithful in Christ. So he wasn't just writing to those in Ephesus. He was writing to all of us. Amen? I mean, he was, he was, getting, he was getting us all. And to the faithful in Christ. Remember, if you're in Christ, you're saved. You're in Christ. You're in Christ, and you'll never get out of Christ. You'll be in Him until... Jesus comes or until you die, and you'll still, you'll, we'll spend eternity in Christ. And so, um, I like that. I, I like the way Paul worded that. He doesn't always word his letters like that, but he worded this one that way. And there's so much good in the book of Ephesians. Um, it is a, a, a letter to the church. It's a letter to the New Testament local church. It's a letter to not just the church of Ephesus, but it's a letter to Seneca Bible Baptist Church. And it's a letter to everybody within the church. Verse 2, it says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. One thing that you'll see throughout this whole passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at is I've underlined it all everywhere it says in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, over and over and over again. Paul is emphasizing the fact that we're in Christ. Uh, which gives us that assurance of our salvation because we're in Him. Uh, Remember what he says in John chapter 10. You know the verses over there in John chapter 10. 
zoom over there real quick. Like I said, I'm just going to kind of read and talk as I go. John chapter 10, in verse 28, <clears throat> John 10, 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Did you notice what hand we're in? We're in, we're in two hands. We're in Christ's hand, but also Christ's hand is in the Father's hand. So don't tell me you're going to get out of that. <laughs> once you get in, folks, once you get in, once you're saved and you get in, you're never leaving. Uh, this, this notion, well, what if I want to get out of, what if I don't want to be saved anymore? You have people that say that, and to me, that's a foolish statement. I mean, once you're in Christ and you're serving the Lord, why would you want to get out? Why would you want to change, reverse your destination from heaven to hell? Why would you, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go back into the world and live the way that you used to live when you're living for Christ? Get in Christ. We're going to stay in Christ, so let's live for, for Christ. No sense, no sense moving on and going anywhere else. Um, so we're in Christ. And I love that little word, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Every blessing that you can think of and beyond. You know that we have blessings that we don't even know that we have? Amen. We have blessings we don't even know what they are. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Father, thank you that we could be here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for those that have come out this evening. Uh, we praise you and thank you for your word. What a blessing to have a copy uh, of your perfect, pure, preserved, inerrant word of God. We, we are blessed tonight. Uh, Lord, we read about all those spiritual blessings. And Lord, we don't even have time to look at them all tonight. And we're just going to look at a couple things. But Lord, I pray that you'd reiterate to us spiritually how good we have it as Christians. Lord, we, we just uh, are so blessed uh, to be part of your family. Uh, over and over and over again, Paul states in this passage of Scripture how we're in Christ. And once we're in, we're never leaving. You keep us, Lord, you keep us sealed. You keep us safe through the Holy Spirit of God. We thank you for that. Thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We had nothing to do with that except, Lord, our sins placed you there. 
But Lord, you did all the work for us. We don't have to work our way into heaven. We don't have to keep ourselves saved. You've done all the work for us, and we thank you for that. Bless the service tonight, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So did you notice uh, over and over and over again, he said, in, 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 in. I forget how many there are. I've underlined them all. I didn't count them up. But there's a lot of ins in there. Um, And we have this great blessing uh, that God has given to us. But what I want us to really think about tonight, and what really uh, spoke to my heart today was, Uh, In verse 2, where it says, Grace be to you and peace. Peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we have peace today in an unpeaceful world? Hmm. Boy, we we are living in in weird, strange um, times. It's just uh, things are so topsy-turvy. Things are so upside down. Things are... We have no clue what's going to take place tomorrow. Um, we can't trust our government. We can't trust, the Bible tells us not to put trust in man anyway. But we have so many things going on uh, in our societies, in our life. Um, we have uh, people being fired from their jobs because they won't get the vaccination. We have uh, government is just uh, coming down our backs like crazy. Um, it won't be long that they'll be in the churches trying to tell us what we can and cannot do. And I know it's coming. I, I just don't know when it's going to be. Um, we're going to have to face that when it comes, when it gets to us. What are we going to do? Uh, are we going to obey man or are we going to obey God? Well, we're going to obey God um, regardless of what it's going to cost us. But it could cost us some things. And we must be ready for that. But peace. Can we still have peace in an unpeaceful world? Yes. Yes, we can. Uh, remember the time that Paul was living? Sometimes we forget that. We forget the time that Paul was living. We forget about the oppressive Roman government that was arresting people and kicking them out of countries and, 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 putting, an, and putting them in prison and killing people uh, just for being Christians. We, we kind of forget about that. We don't recognize that so much, but uh, Paul was in prison himself and wrote uh, some of the, the Bible from prison. Uh, he was tortured. He, was, uh, he went through all kinds of problems, and we haven't got to that point yet. We're, we're getting close to that, I, I think. Um, but we can still have peace. It says in Ephesians 2.14, just turn the page and look at 2.14. It says, For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So where does our peace come from? You know the answer to that. Say it. God comes from God comes from Jesus Christ. That's where our peace comes from. It doesn't come from within you. You can't generate your own peace. We don't get peace from the outside world. We don't get peace from the government. We don't get peace from relatives. We don't get peace from your job. You get peace only, true peace. You get true peace from God Almighty. That's where our peace comes from. That's what Paul said there in verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of things that cannot bring peace that we try to bring peace to ourselves. Human beings are always trying to seek peace, always trying to bring their own peace into their life. Let me give you some things biblically where you can't get peace from. Look at Proverbs 27 20. <clears throat> Proverbs 27 20. Again, I'll, I'll say it again. You cannot generate your own peace, it only comes from Jesus Christ, it comes from God. Proverbs 27 and verse 20, 
It says, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are what? Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Um, If you're going to jot some of these things down, write this down, things that cannot bring peace, is desires from a person apart from God. Desires from a person apart from God does not bring peace. You and I know people that struggle often with issues and problems, and they struggle with this particular issue of finding peace. They can't find it. They seek for it. They maybe take pills for it. They go to the doctor to try to get some peace. You can't get peace from your doctor. You can't get peace from medicine. You can't get peace. Peace doesn't come in a pill. (laughs) Sorry. I know people think that. Peace doesn't come in a pill. Peace comes through Jesus Christ. True peace comes from Jesus Christ. I'm not saying uh, that you can't get help from some of these things because I'm sure that some of that stuff can help. Um, But you can't just go to the doctor and say, Doctor, please, I need some peace, so give me a prescription. He's not going to write on the prescription, peace. He's going to try to give you a pill probably, uh, but the pill's not going to bring you true peace. Uh, the pill is only good for whatever the, the pill does. But so many today are seeking peace from a pill. You're not going to get it from that. Anything apart from God does not bring peace. Look at Proverbs 30 and verse 15. 30, 15. 30, 15. The horse leech hath two daughters, cry and give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not, it is enough. The grave and the barren womb the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. Remember, we're talking about peace and satisfaction. And so uh, Solomon, through his writings, tells us what can't bring or what can, cannot bring satisfaction and peace. Second, the second thing that can't bring peace is discontentment. Go over to the New Testament. We'll look at three verses in the New Testament. Philippians 4.11. And you know these verses, and I know these verses. It's easy to turn to the verses and read them. It's a whole different thing to live the verses. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've underlined that word learned in the verse because Paul had to learn contentment. You don't just naturally come out content. Whatever you think, whatever you say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know, I'm, I'm always content. and You're not always content. You have to learn that. It takes time. It takes, it takes uh, going through the, the life of hard knocks sometimes to learn contentment. It learn you learn it from people telling you no you can't do this. Kids have a hard time with this. Um, you, if you have a child that you take to the store and all they they want 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 everything that they go through the line and and they'll cry and yell and scream if they don't get it that's they're not content. You've got to teach them and train them to be content. Um, we as adults have the same issue. We have the same problem. I know I I have the same problem. Um, we, we're not going to be at peace with discontentment. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy 6. I'm not only trying to help you tonight, I'm trying to help me tonight. <laughs> so, 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 6. 
But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. It's a gain in our life when we can be content with the things that we have. Godliness and contentment go together. Without godliness, you won't be content. And without contentment, you won't be godly. They go together. Hebrews 13.5, another verse that deals with this issue or this topic. Hebrews 13.5. This is not an easy one either. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he, say, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, the latter part of that verse is telling us why we are to be content. It's Jesus Christ that is to be the contentment of our life. Um, but we try to fill it with things and we become discontented with the things that we have. And so things do not bring peace. We need things. We all know that. We have to have stuff. Uh, We can't live this life without stuff. We we can't live this life without some things. Uh, But we cannot allow those things to control our life. There's other things that can't bring peace. Living in the past constantly. There are some people that's all the, the only place they live is in the past. And there's no peace. You know they have no peace. I've talked to people like that. Worrying about the future. That'll bring you no peace. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I don't know what's going to happen with the government. I don't know what's going to happen. Why worry about it? Don't worry about it. We have people living in the past. We have people worrying about the future. Um, Here's something else. The need to control people. There are people like that. They have to control every aspect of life. Fear of aging and death. (laughs) There's people like that. You know? Hey, you get to be this old, it's like, Hallelujah. Man, I'm just a little closer to heaven, right? Amen. Amen. That's the way I look at it. Uh, Fear the unknown. Um, That's not going to bring any peace to you. There's a lot of things that are unknown out there. The need to defend yourself constantly. Um, Somebody made a statement. I don't know what it were. Where I put it. I got it here in my Bible somewhere. Actually, I'm going to get a gold, one of those little brass little plates. Two plates I'm going to put up here on this pulpit. And one of them is, is I don't have to defend myself. God takes care of that. We don't have to defend. Preachers don't have to. Listen, guys, those of you that preach, you'll never have to defend yourself from the pulpit. It's not The pulpit is not a place where you defend yourself. It's a place where you preach the gospel. Uh, but there are Preachers and pastors sometimes that feel that they have to defend themselves from the pulpit. Pulpit is not a place to do that. Pulpit is where we preach the Word of God. Just give out the Word of God. The need to defend yourself. Greed is another thing. Greed will never bring peace. Um, Apathy. Laziness. Brings no peace. Chasing happiness. Do you know you can't chase happiness? You'll never catch it. You'll never catch happiness by chasing it. I'll get into that here in a few minutes. (laughs) Seeking comfort all the time doesn't bring peace. It's nice to be comfortable. It's nice to have some comforts of life. We all like that, right? But seeking it constantly is not going to bring peace. Having the victim mentality. I'm the victim. Everybody's against me. The world is against me. My family is against me. It's that victim mentality. There's no peace in that. Trying to impress people. 
does not bring any peace to your life. And holding grudges will never bring peace to your life. So let's talk briefly about the source of peace and satisfaction. Where does it come from? Where do we get it from? Well, we know we get it from God. But let's look at some verses and talk about that. Write these things down. I think I've got three things written down as the source of peace and satisfaction. Number one, the proper relationship with God. The proper relationship with God can bring peace and satisfaction to your life. We already went, go back to our text there in Ephesians chapter uh, 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This relationship that we have with God can bring that peace that we have. Remember, verse 2 talks about the peace from God. And I think I said this Sunday, but remember, the Bible literally outlines itself. So where do we get peace from? Well, it's it's spelled out in in the following verses here after verse 2, where he talks about the peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in verse 3, we see these spiritual blessings. This is part of having a proper relationship with God. When you have a proper relationship with God, you're going to receive spiritual blessings from God in that relationship that you have with God. Uh, You get saved, you become a son, you become a child of God, right? And so as soon as you become a child of God, you're going to start receiving the blessings from God. You're going to start receiving spiritual blessings from God the moment that you become his child. And the moment he becomes your father, you'll start receiving the spiritual blessings. Our problem today, ladies and gentlemen, is we don't look at the spiritual blessings so much as we're looking for material blessings. And so we ignore the spiritual blessings that God gives us every single day. You know what the Bible says, that every morning God's mercies are what? New, every morning, every morning. Now, I'm sure there's some from yesterday that are carried over, but we know that um, God's blessings or his mercies are new every morning. And then it says, and great is his faithfulness. Every day. Every day you get new mercies from God. Do you know that? Do you realize that? Do you thank God for his new mercies every single day? Um, I try to, I'm not going to say I'm successful at it all the time, but I try to every day, every morning when I pray, I thank him. I actually quote the verse. Thank you, Lord. This morning you gave me new mercies that I don't deserve. Thank you for that. And many times I'll say, Lord, thank you for giving them to me before I even got out of bed. Before I opened up my, my eyes, God already gave me bless, blessings or mercies. New ones, new, brand new ones. Not anything used from, you know, in the past. New ones every day. And his faithfulness is great. These are part of the spiritual blessings that we get. Normally we jump out of bed in the morning. We All we're looking at is material blessings throughout the day. I'm not saying God doesn't give us some, some material blessings. He does. He gives us the things that we need. He gives us materialistic things. Uh, He knows we have to eat food, and we have to drink water, and we have to wear clothes, and we have to have things. God knows that. Um, But so often we fail to recognize the spiritual blessings. Uh, Verse 4, let me move on here. Again, this all falls under a proper relationship with God. Number 4 Uh, It says there, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So uh, the next thing that we see there is he's chosen us to be holy. That's a spiritual blessing. He has chosen you. Think about it. We are an unholy group of people. But as we, as saved people, we have become holy people. Whether you like it or not, you are a holy person. So are you acting like what you really are? Think about that. He has chosen us to be holy. When he saved you, he says, you're going to be holy. You're my holy child. Remember, God is all holy, right? 100% holy, isn't God? Jesus Christ, 100% holy. We're his child. Shouldn't we be holy? Shouldn't we act holy, talk holy, be holy? Absolutely, we should. And so this is part of that proper relationship with God. Getting back to that chasing happiness that I said a few minutes ago, holiness, listen to me, this is, this is important. Holiness, only holiness brings true happiness. Happiness does not bring holiness. Think about that. Happiness does not bring holiness. But holiness will always bring happiness. As you are holy, so will you be happy. You looking to be happy? Then start being holy. And you'll be happy. You'll be happy. Verse 4, that's what it says. Verse 5, and we get all messed up on this one. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, uh, we, we immediately start thinking of Calvinism. John Calvin. John Calvin taught that predestination was a doctrine that God chooses those who will enter into heaven based on his omnipotence and grace, God's choice not man's choice. That's what John Calvin taught. And so we have this doctrine today or this, this infiltration of Calvinism coming into our churches, uh, into a lot of Baptist churches where God says, all right, well, I'll choose Donna's going to heaven, but Doug, no, nah, he, he's never going to make it. And it's no longer a free will. That's what Calvinism teaches, that it's not my free will that allows me to go to heaven. If you're not chosen, if you're not part of the elect, no matter how bad you want to go, you ain't going, which makes no sense to me. If you want to be saved, then you ought to have that free will to say, yes, I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. I want to see Jesus Christ for all and be with Christ for all eternity. That is a, that's part of the free will. God instituted that in the Garden of Eden. Wait a minute. Go back further. God instituted that with, with Lucifer and all the angels. They had a free will. You can serve me or not. And Lucifer and a third of the angels says, nope, we're not doing it. And so they fell. And Adam and Eve, God gave Adam and Eve a free will. Two trees, right, in the garden. Tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat the fruit of that. Tree of life, you can have that fruit and live forever. What do they choose? They go to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they chose the one that, they, that God said, you eat that, you die. Simple. And they ate that. They made a free choice. Satan did not force the fruit in their mouth. Satan did not hold Eve down or Adam down and force the fruit, make them. No, they, they took the fruit, whatever it was, and they ate it, partook of that based on their own free will. We have a free will today. We can choose to serve God. We can choose not to serve God. We can choo choose to love God. We can choose not to love God. You choose to come to church or you decide to stay home. You choose to read your Bible, or you, you say, no, I don't have time for it today. You choose to pray, or you don't pray. 
You choose to obey God or you don't. It's very, it's very, very simple. He has predestinated us. And remember, that predestination is for all saved people. He didn't choose me to be saved. He chose me because I chose him to be saved. That's the difference. I don't have time to get into all of that. We don't have time to get into the whole doctrine of predestination and all of that. But Paul does mention it here, having predestinated us, that's a Christian, unto the adoption of children. That's what God predestinated us for. When I got saved, I became a child of God. You did too. God is your father. Isn't that a blessing to have a, have a heavenly father? And so we've been predestinated. This is all part of our proper relationship with God that allows us to have the peace and satisfaction that we need. In verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. And so not only uh, are we predestinated, but we're also accepted in the beloved. Isn't it good to be accepted in God's family? Isn't it good to be accepted in His love? He hasn't rejected us, He's accepted us. We talk about accepting Christ as our Savior. More importantly, He has accepted me. He's accepted you. Right? In the beloved, in the, in the, in, in to salvation. He has accepted us. Yes, we said uh, yes to Christ, and we said yes to His plan of salvation. But when we did that, He accepted us into His family. And that beloved there is His family. In verse 6. Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And so now we, we have redemption through His blood. That's, again, part of this great relationship that we have with God that allows us to have the peace and satisfaction in our life that we so desperately need. Do you know the key ingredient to any relationship is communication? You're going to have a successful relationship with somebody? Communication. You're going to have a successful relationship with your spouse? Communication. Successful, um, or, or a successful relationship with uh, anybody, church members, communication. How can you be successful at a relationship if you never talk to that other person at church? Sometimes it bothers me when I hear people, oh, I don't even know what their name is. What do you mean you don't know what their name is? Have you introduced yourself to them? Well, no. Why not? <laughs> Find out their name. Get to know the people or the person or whatever. Find out who they are. You don't know their name, walk up to them. And don't, listen, you know what I have to do sometimes? I, don't, I can't remember everybody's name at times. But I will walk up and say, hey, sorry, but I, give me your name again. What's wrong with that? Pride says you're not going to ask for the name. But a humble person will walk up and say, hey, uh, I've had people come up to me and say, hey, what, what's your name again? I don't get mad at them. I tell them my name. I share my name with them. And then they share, me, share with me their name. And so we have to have this communication if we're going to have a, a good relationship. We have to have a good <clears throat> communication with God in order to have a good relationship with God. That's where the Bible reading and prayer comes together, right? That's the two-way communication. I talk to him. He talks to me through his word. Proverbs uh, 19, let me just read it for the sake of time. Proverbs 19.23, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. 
He shall not be visited with evil, the Bible says. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. Uh, Do go over to Psalm 91, please. Psalm 91 and verse 14. Psalm 91, 14. Psalm 91, 14. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. What a blessing to know that. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says this, And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. That's part of the communication. That's part of the relationship. When you love somebody, you're going to communicate with them. You're going to talk with them. When you love somebody, you're going to love, you're going to, when you're having communication with them, you, I hope that you love that person. You don't need to be in love with that person, but you do love. We're instructed in the Bible to love our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. And then another thing is, is for this uh, peace and satisfaction, is uh, not only uh, is the proper relationship with God important, but how about obedience to God's Word? If we all would just obey this book, we would be different people. We'd have a different church, probably. Uh, We would just obeying the Word of God is so important. Um, Are you over there near Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1? Look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 1. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. We're talking about peace tonight. So by keeping the law of God and keeping His commandments and doing what He tells us to do from His Word, not only do we get length of days and long life, but we get peace. That is a very good byproduct in our life. Again, people want peace today. Christians want peace. Well, where do we get it from? Well, the Bible says just keeping His commandments, obeying the Word of God. Uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 1. Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. 165, 119, 165. I'm moving along because of time. I want to finish this. 119, 165. We quote this often. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It does say, great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace. Not a little peace, but great peace. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. That word offend means to disturb um, or cause to stumble, cause to slip, cause to sin. That's what that offend, the word offend means in that verse. And nothing shall offend them. 
nothing shall disturb. Uh, You'll never disturb somebody, and you'll not cause that person to stumble in sin. And if you're in God's Word, nobody's going to cause you to do that either. So obeying God's words is vitally important for us to have peace and satisfaction in our life. And then thirdly, living a righteous life. Just living a righteous life. Doing what God tells us to do. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 25. Proverbs 13, 25. Proverbs 13, verse 25. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall what? Want. But the righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul. Proverbs 15.9. Proverbs 15.9. The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. Righteous living. Living a righteous life will help bring that peace that we need in our life. Obeying God's Word will help bring peace to our life. 21, Proverbs 21, 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Following after righteousness. Just living a righteous life. Let's finish with 1 John chapter 3. 1 John 3, and we'll be done. 1 John 3, verses 7 and 8. 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And so we're, taught, we're told and we're taught here in verse 7 that we need to just live a righteous life. Let no man, man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. And so you want to have peace and satisfaction in your life, proper relationship with God obedience to God's Word, and living a righteous life. Not that difficult to to grasp. It's a whole different thing, though, to try to do it. But we all need peace. We all need peace. We all desire peace. There's not a human being on the planet that I know of that doesn't desire peace. Sometimes we joke at Christmas time, what do you want for Christmas? Sometimes Kathy and I, Kathy, what do you want for Christmas? I just want peace I want peace on earth, goodwill to men. I just want peace and, you know, whatever. She says that. I say that too sometimes. Kids will say, what do you want for Christmas, Dad? Peace. I want peace. I want peace and quiet. (laughs) That's what we desire. We really desire that. Humans desire peace and quiet, and we, we want a peaceful life. You do and I do. We all do. No, God has the formula in His Word, for us to have peace. But let me close by saying this. You can't have true peace unless you know Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior. You can try as hard as you want. You're never going to have peace without Christ being your Lord and Savior. It won't work. So if you're not saved tonight, get saved. Trust Christ. 
He's the only hope. He's our, own, he's our only peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the peace of life. And there's no other peace coming other, through, other than through him. Paul made that very clear in the early verses there of Ephesians chapter 1. Father, again, thank you for the peace that we have tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Thank you, Lord, for what he wrote down. We just pray that you'd help us to not only know the verses and see what they say, but help us, Lord, to live in what we've heard and what we've read tonight. Now speak to hearts. If there's somebody here tonight, there's somebody maybe listening online that's not saved, we pray for their salvation. Work in hearts and souls everywhere, Lord. Uh, we pray that. Pray, I pray, Lord, that we would see peace uh, in our lives as individuals. I pray that we'd see peace in our church, uh, within our church family. I pray that we'd have peace within our, our own personal families. And So, Lord, just bless and be with us tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.